Hey, it's Tom Kradza, and uh, on this episode of the show, we have a super interesting story for you. It's a friend of ours from high school. His name is Anthony Corelli, and uh, you likely, maybe you've never come across Anthony Corelli in the past, um, but you may have heard of his WWE name, so the, the World Wrestling Entertainment Organization. He was on the WWE in Vince McMahon's world for about 10 years, and his name on there was Santino Marella. He played this Italian character, and you're going to hear his story on how he went. I mean, it's the, it's the kind of story we just love because it's how he has gone from wanting to achieve something to the actual realization of that dream and it's just a cool story it's an inspiring story and it's not a straight line so many people that we speak to um, want to achieve different goals and they get a little frustrated if they kind of go off the path somewhat wait till you hear Anthony's story and everything he had to go through um, to get there and he has this really great analogy I I thought it was a fascinating analogy of walking a tightrope that he'll explain I'll let you hear it so um, we also share some high school stories we bring up a couple uh, of friends that uh, that we uh, we both have in high school. Um, we talk about how he gave me stitches. He actually doesn't remember giving me. He he remembers the incident, but he doesn't he doesn't actually know until this podcast that he gave me stitches. So wait till you hear about that. Um, he was a, a really highly ranked judo guy in Canada for our age group growing up, and we share some of those stories and um, a, a, a very uh, specific speech he gave at a wedding um, where he captured everybody's attention. Um, so we go through kind of that journey and, uh, as I mentioned, it's just not a straight path. And to me, this is living life on your terms. You know, the, the whole idea, if you're new to us and you've never really heard us explain it. And I, I explained it a little bit to Anthony cause he doesn't know, he didn't know our whole kind of business model after the podcast. I kind of walked him around the office and showed him our training room and all the different things that we do. Um, but, uh, if, if you're, if you're new to us, the reason that we focus on real estate so much is that it's one vehicle that we believe has the chance to help you, all of us live life on our terms. It's just another financial stream of income that we can all put in place in our lives that is not easy. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it can be very difficult at times, but when you hold on to good properties for lengths of time, they typically have a really wonderful financial impact on your life. So, um, and, 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 you know, having multiple streams of income in your life is one way to achieve living life on your terms. And that's kind of our whole model, your life, your terms. And Anthony just kind of exemplifies living life on his terms. He clearly does and lives the way he wants. And it's just a really fascinating, motivating and inspiring story. So we're just super pumped to have him on. We had uh, some really good laughs. Um, And if you're listening to this and you do want more real estate information, listen, we run this membership called the Rockstar Inner Circle. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. You can learn everything about it at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And on there, you'll see all the classes that we hold now. I was showing Anthony our training room and, you know, how we bring everybody in for student rental classes and apartment building classes and now e-commerce classes and Amazon classes even. Um, And we have uh, mortgage classes and uh, rent to own classes. And we bring in um, uh, our paralegal to talk about what landlords need uh, to know around the tenant board. So we're always doing that kind of education. Um, We talk about our monthly newsletter. Um, So on that website, you'll see all of these different components. So, you know, all the classes, the monthly newsletter, the monthly audio, the one-on-one coaching that we provide. Um, It's something that we're really proud of. It's been a, a really 
hard journey ourselves to kind of keep this going and grow it and maintain it. But the the rewards have been worth it, both for the investors themselves and for us getting the chance to work with great people. So um, rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. You'll learn everything about becoming a member there, um, all the different things we offer. And with that, let's uh, transition over to the podcast. Enjoy. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. I mentioned to Rado he could come on this podcast with you, but uh, he said he didn't. He didn't want to hang out with you. Is that true? <laughs> Is it on? It's on. Yeah, he. Um, <laughs> so Marco has a hidden um, jealousy in that all my success as a comedian. He is the blind. He's the other half of that comedy that went unrecognized. <laughs> so he said he was in Chicago with the family, so he couldn't be uh, uh, be on. But what were you talking about? You're on a po- you're on a podcast now, or you're on Twitch, or what are you doing? We started a show. So Anthem Sports owns the Fight Network, and they also they recently bought Impact Wrestling, which is like WWE's kind of competitor. So um, down at the Fight Network, we go in every Wednesday and we, f- we do a show, but it's on the digital platform, Twitch. Uh, it's two hours. It's called Behind the Lights. Uh, from four to six, it's live. But after it's live, they want to find another medium of, or a form of distribution. So they're going to put it on a... We have, se- we have several episodes Got it. in the can, but we'll, we'll, we'll try and uh, distribute it another way. So, because I thought Twitch was when people watched you playing video games and you had followers. Originally, that was the main. Oh, so now it's branching on into other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they have this weird culture where it's like um, donations. Yeah. 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 So they're called Twitch Bits. And we use them for our show because we'll give three matches and they got uh, like wrestling matches um, in the last segment of the show. And throughout the first two segments of the show, they can vote via Twitch Bits, which is a currency that can be turned into yeah, money. Yeah, no, we get so. it. I know. You yeah. see, you're, you're like laughing when you're so saying it. No, but it's true. We know people who, I know people who have quit their jobs and they're just doing Twitch stuff. They're playing video games and they make funny yeah. comments and people donate to them. Yeah, because they, they kind of wanted us to push the, the donations and I'm like, I don't feel comfortable you asking do for donations. Twi- for Twitch bits? I, if, I have, if I'm asking for donations, it's going to be done right on a cardboard sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, when you mentioned your show, what shows? Your, you mean the wrestling shows you're holding at your gym? Um, or you're talking about this show? What, you said three matches during the show. Oh, yeah. So th- this is our, our library. So, oh, okay, uh, yeah, okay. Impact, uh, we have various access to various libraries, and we'll just mention three matches that people w- w- would potentially want to see. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah. I got you. And then, yeah, Tuesday is Sportsnet. Sportsnet. What are you doing with Sportsnet? It's a, a show. It's called uh, Aftermath. We do it. Um, we film it at noon, and it airs at 7.30 uh, p.m. the same day. And it's a half-hour show. We critique uh, or give our wins and fails of the weekend wrestling. It's, it's all it's related to WWE because we show the content. So it's kind of a partnership with WWE. Uh, it's half hour. It's in and out. I absolutely love doing it. I, I leave home at ten thirty. I get there like at eleven ten. We uh, we film at noon, and I'm like in my car by like ten after one. So I'm it's, in and out of the city. It's perfect. That's the no only traffic. way to do it. That's the only way to do it. And okay, so we we're, we're gonna get to battle arts too, but I. Part of why we're doing this podcast and part of the reason that we have this business is we 
help people buy rental properties. The idea is that you can live your life on your terms um, so that uh, real estate can help with that, create some cash flow. You're able to then, you know, have some other source of income and you're not solely required to, uh, to depend on a job to live. Mm-hmm. Too bad and, and everyone and, couldn't see Tom pointing his nipples when he said, yeah, well, your life, pointing, your turn. You can't see it, but I was pointing to the your life. We actually have a t-shirt for Anthony, but we realize our extra large is like triple extra large. And it's so like you know how the kids say like YOLO? What do you guys say? We, we don't know, but this is Nick's design. It's brand new. This just came out two days ago, Yell this yet. t-shirt. Yell yet. But uh, so what I wanted to talk to you about is uh, your 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 life story of uh, Anthony just knocked his earphones right off <laughs> right off his head. We I got him. Are you, you're back. Are you back? Can yeah. you hear me? I can hear hey, you. Hey, we want to talk about your life story because I want to know when did you first? I feel like in high school you were talking about getting into the WWE. Is that wrong? I think. Um, when did you I, decide I, you wanted to get into the WWE? Well, okay, when I was in. Um, in, in OAC, we took a trip. This is actually a very pivotal trip in my life to Montreal for March break. And I already knew that I was going to go to Montreal to for, for the because the Canadian National Judo team headquarters was in Montreal. So I wanted to, you know, get to that level. I, I, I had come second place in Canada four times and I was looking to. Was it always know, the same guy that you could? No, do? no. It was more just silly mistakes I had to make to go through to, you know, to make them all to learn. Anyway, on that trip, um, it was March break. We went to Montreal. I brought my judo gi, and I went to a practice just to kind of say hi. You know, there's a lot of guys there that I knew from the judo scene from different provinces that are not, were now living there, uh, Olympians and national team members, and just wanted to kind of introduce myself, meet Sensei Nakamura, the head coach, and tell him I, I'm going to be coming there. And then the, there was a guy named Andy Bordeaux. And Andy Bordeaux was on the national judo team and – he was an Olympic athlete in, on the wrestling team. He was a heavyweight wrestler. And uh, I was talking about, you know, I wanted to come there. And he mentioned, I mentioned I wrestled in high school for Philip Pocock, you know, two-time back-to-back Robs. Pirates, whatever. go Pirates, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because our wrestling team was like, we had like uh, one Italian guy, one Slovenian guy, and... That was classic. That sounds like Pocock right there, right? It was like eighty yeah. percent Italian and then some Slovenians and Croatians and a few Polish mixed in. That, Portuguese, that was, the Portuguese, Portuguese guys are uh, they're offended that yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah, include yeah. There was them. Portuguese yeah. too, but that sounds like our high school. That's, yeah, that's what well, it was. Other high schools had like matching track suits and forty yeah. guys, and we had like four guys. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, I wrestled for for high school uh, during high school, and then when I went to Montreal, he asked me if I was considering because I was going to go to Concordia University if I would consider being on the wrestling team for Concordia. And I was like, huh, you know, never, never thought of it. Why not, right? So um, during that same week, he invited me. It was the Hampton Y, where uh, Vanier College, the Montreal Wrestling Club, Concordia, they all trained together, same coach. So I agreed, and I went to the, um, to the Hampton Y, and that's where I met uh, Victor Zilberman. Um, he's GSP's wrestling coach now, so he's kind of, you know, he's I mean, decent. He's he's amazing. He's produced world champions, national champions. He's he himself was a multiple time world medalist as a as a competitor. And uh, anyway, during that practice, so I I, I get there and and he introduces me, and um, everyone's kind of doing a warm up, just kind of pummeling and just practicing some technique to break a sweat. He scans the room and he goes, "Okay, go warm up with that guy." And he pointed to a random guy. And that guy, to this day, is one of my best friends. And his dad was in the WWF in the 80s. His dad was Don Koloff. And he wrestled in uh, 
Calgary Stampede. And when um, Calgary Stampede was acquired by WWE, he kind of came along and, and worked. Why, well, the Calgary Stampede was a wrestling circuit? Yeah, it was a whole company, Calgary Stampede Wrestling. Yeah. Huh, I didn't know. Okay. And um, yeah, so when, 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 when Vince Jr. acquired Calgary Stampede, like the roster, the library, and everything, um, my coach was one of the guys that wrestled for WWF back then. And he had a little private school. So as soon as I found that out, I met this guy through conversation. I'm like, your dad, what? Was a wrestler and has a school? <laughs> and immediately had this weird, eerie feeling that I never had before in my life where I'm like, holy shit, my destiny. Just I just connected with my destiny. Huh. And it was really interesting. In the back of my head, I always knew it was So that would have been grade 13. That was OAC. You said OAC, so grade 13. Yeah. So then it was really there in the back of my mind. I knew I wanted to finish university and, you know, satisfy my parents and all that stuff. And, of course, I was pursuing my judo career. But I knew that that option was very real and very viable after I... And so when did, so how did you transition? Did you uh, start going to that school? Like, what was the next Yeah, step? after... Because weren't you... I feel like you, you were in Mexico for a while. You were in the state. No? Mexico, States, I was there. Korea, WWE, Japan. Japan. Where, where Japan for a while. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. so I So started, how did this progress? So, like, after you finished university... Did you finished university? Yeah. And then you went into wrestling? No, then I, I worked for a little bit in the real world. I yeah. kind of had to... I remember that. I vaguely remember you working. Yeah. I <laughs> Not that you the, weren't working later. I just remember, like, the regular job. Yeah, I worked, like, th- three years. I worked for a telecom company. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. New ad media for a year or so. Then I did, you know, various jobs. But uh, after I graduated university and finished teacher's college, I, I was uh, in the in the whatever the, the real world a little bit and I knew that that was the game plan and just as I was about to start training earlier it would have been like 01 or maybe 2000 the building that they rented got sold so the person said everybody had to leave and, and vacate so my education was delayed a couple of years uh, so I started my training in 2002 he had a he, he finally found a new building it was like a an old Taekwondo place that they just put a ring in. And it was, it's a very, very exclusive school. There was several people training, not, you know, it was private. There's no advertising. So they weren't looking for people. You just kind of had to get referred in. They weren't looking for anybody. And, and, uh, yeah. But because you met his son in Montreal, that was the connection. You were able to get pulled into that. Yeah. Yeah. So I met his son and, and, uh, back then we used to do kind of MMA before MMA was super popular because, you know, my buddy Nikolai is multiple times Sambo champion. I was a judo champion. My uh, coach's son was a, a wrestling champion. So we always just demonstrated moves and enjoyed grappling and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then in 2003, I had my first match. So I trained for about a year okay. before I had a match. And I had my first match 2003 in Oakville, uh, sorry, Orangeville, Ontario. Uh, I think Rado was there, I think. I too. think he was too. I remember him promoting it. Yeah, my... Um, my grandma. When you hear the word, so anyone listening to this, if they hear Rado, because we mentioned Rado, Rado's a good friend of, of Anthony's. Yeah, Rado is, is a part of his Not your name. friend? He's my friend too, but he's, 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 he's everybody's yeah, friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so yeah, because I think I remember him like promoting that or telling people about it. Yeah, so you I go remember. to Orangeville, you have your first fight. How, remember, many, how many people were there? I was a hockey arena. There's a few hundred people. Okay. There's a company called Ring, Ring Wars. Okay. And um, you remember Nectar? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so he's a buddy of mine, a Greek guy, who, because um, they wanted a picture of me for the for the flyer, 
So he photoshopped the arms and made them all big. Oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> anyway, but that was my first match. So after I had several, literally like I think six. So did you win or lose? I won. I won. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was decided before though. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why did you Why did you get to win and not the other guy? I don't know if it was because it was a debut or because I was a good guy, or probably because I was a good guy. Oh, okay. And um, but 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 quickly I realized there wasn't much going on in Ontario at the time in in that independent wrestling. So that's when I packed up and I moved to Japan for a year, basically all of two thousand four was uh, was in Japan. How did you find the place in Japan? Just oh man, okay. So th there's a. Uh, the a reason I'm asking is just because everyone's life story seems to follow a certain set of like dominoes, you know, and yours kind of fell in. It's interesting because yeah. you you're still into places. I know, I know all my pivotal yeah, yeah, domino yeah, yeah. moments. Okay, so Japan was. So what? there's a guy. His name is George K, and he lives up in. He was living up in uh, what's up the 404 there, a new market area. Yeah. And this guy's a martial artist, Jeet Kune Do and and Hapkido and all this stuff, and he wanted to do some fights. So he put together a highlight tape of some techniques and some of his striking. And he had punching bags. And this guy is like a physical specimen, like super fast hand speed, flexibility, super strong. And he uh, put together this, this tape. The guy that he was demonstrating on was this big Macedonian guy, uh, also named George. He had to be 6'5", like almost 300 pounds, jacked. And in Japan, so anyway, he sent this tape to this company, but the company liked the guy he was training on because he's a freak, big guy. Yeah, got it. And uh, he thought they could do, because back then, it was very interesting in Japan. And this is kind of why I went there too. The MMA and the pro wrestling, where there was a very blurred line between the two. And a lot of pro wrestlers would fight huh. in pride. And a lot of pride guys would fight in pro got wrestling it. I didn't matches. know that. Okay. Yeah, it was very interesting. Because the, 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 the foundation of both is catch wrestling. And catch wrestling is like that submission. It's kind of like a no-gi jiu-jitsu. <clears throat> but that's, that's, that was really the, uh, the birth of, it, of MMA was this catch wrestling in Japan before it kind of got popular here with the UFC. Um, and so he went, he went to Japan. He had this fight, like Tokyo Dome, like thousands and thousands of people. He didn't win, but they saw some potential, so they set him up with this guy named Yuki Ishikawa who was uh, who had a gym called Battle Arts in Japan. Got it. So I was kind of checking all the connections we had at the time and the only connection we really had was was in Japan. So I heard a story of a guy that went to Japan and did so well that Vince kind of said who's this who's this North American guy tearing it up in Japan? We should have him here. Like and, and recruited him from Japan, so that was kind of my. Okay, so you saw an opportunity that if that guy did it, maybe I can go to Japan. Yeah, and, and do well Vince. and use the judo because judo is Japanese, and uh, go there as this Canadian judo guy, get some recognition, do well, and get recruited back here. That was that was the plan. And then you're so you did that. You went to Japan. Did that's you, a pretty big leap. Like I mean, that's a pretty big leap of faith to try what, to do that. that, yeah. that what it's you, not like it was an easy. The path when you were thinking that wasn't like an easy path. Thinking the chances of this happening are really, really high. You know what I mean? So you got it's very you got balls. Very, you got balls to make that move, right? Yeah, the chances were very, very low. Yeah, everyone but, must have told you not to do it. Did you? Was your family supportive? Yeah, I think they were under the the thought that he's crazy enough; it might happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah. they were definitely nervous because I'm this. I'm 30 years old. Yeah, 
And I started wrestling very late. late. I started yeah, training yeah, yeah. at 28. Yeah. By the time everything settled in the university and working, I was 28, already behind the eight ball. Uh, I had my first match at 29, and I uh, went to Japan at 30. And I had to sit my, my daughter at this point. My daughter's nine years old. So I had to sit her down and say, hey, you know, I got to do this. I got to I got to do this. And, and you know, it's going to be tough. I'm going to be away, but I'll be back. And I got to go. And she was understanding. She was supportive. And I brought her to Japan. for. She came for a month. And then, uh, you know, I come home for a little bit. And um, we had a fun time when she was there. And, of course, back then you had to go to an internet cafe. And you had to get calling cards. Yeah, it was totally cards. different. Yeah. There's no FaceTime. Yeah. It was hard, actually. It was very hard. That was the hardest part. I lost. I cried lots. So you were in Japan. You joined Battle Arts there? Yeah, I trained there. Paid my dues, man. I, I, I went there as a paying member. And basically I had to battle my way through the dojo uh, but at this time were they doing real wrestling or this was is, this like wwe style wrestling battle arts is a, is a hybrid it's a hybrid okay so battle if you're watching battle arts even though it's a pro wrestling it looks like you're watching your battle arts school here we'll talk about that more in a second but you're, is that also a hybrid here yes well the way you're running it yeah. here okay we'll get more to that in a one second. of them is a hybrid yeah okay so this thing here i went there and i saw this style of professional wrestling that looks like mma and i saw it once on a, on a, on a tv actually it was in montreal again but a separate trip. And I saw this this MMA on the TV and I'm like, it's just, I couldn't, f is this real? Because the techniques were totally different. There's triangle chokes and arm locks and you know, suplexes and they, were, they weren't doing the fake punching. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But there was a couple mo instances in the fight where I'm like, he could have got out there. Like, what, what's, yeah, what's, I wasn't what's sure. Going on? And, you know, some people call it work shoot. Um, shoot means like real. So okay. it's like a worked real fight. Okay, got it. Um, and there, there, there have been companies in the past. One, uh, UWF. Th they did this style, and uh, it's a it's a different genre. There's the Mexican lucha wrestling. There's WWE wrestling. There's comedy wrestling. There's, you know, really silly wrestling, and then there's this work shoot style. And I fell in love with it, and it was really easy for me to transition because of judo and stuff. So in Japan, the dojos are different. Like you, actually got to fight and spar to get the respect of everybody. So I worked my way up until um, I was rusty, man, because my, my groundwork when I was in judo, which is like the jujitsu component, was very strong. And I was, it was my, my strength. I wanted to, I pinned, but I pinned guys a lot. I was, uh, I could submit too, but I was, pinning was my thing. Because in judo, don't, aren't you throwing more around? Than, I didn't know there was groundwork in judo. Yeah, there's groundwork. It's That's about, how little I know about judo. It's like the yin-yang to jiu-jitsu. Because I think I, I've seen you over the years throw people around. Maybe that's why I think. Yeah, I, you can't take people uh, in a bar to the ground. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, work. It doesn't work. Okay, got it. <laughs> you try. Okay, got it. Um, but judo is about, like, let's say, 80% You didn't standing. try that on me. Remember, did we did, are we going to talk about how you just punched me right in the face? Well, yeah, are we allowed I, to? I, I didn't take you to the ground. No, you just punched me. <laughs> Nick, Nick knows the story. Was it the face or the head? The no, right in the f uh, head. Eyebrow. But it, you had eyebrow good intentions. No, we were just talking about it before we started here as like a reminder. He had good intentions because I put my arm around Anthony, and but I accidentally clipped Carol. So my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, and he looks at me and he says, this is how I remember. I don't know how you remember it. He know. looks at me and he goes, you never hit a woman. And he just clocks me, right? And I'm standing right next to him. Boom! There right are some the stories, my, and I don't know what percentage. I think I, think I said me, prepare for a punch. I said I think I. Said, no, you never said prepare. Did you? I think I said prepare. 
I, I can see. Yeah, I can actually see you from other prepare. stories you've told me. Yeah, yeah. Because I've heard a few stories. There, I there's yeah, chances you might have said prepare, but I. I'm not a fighter. I don't know any... I can't react to something like that. You know, if I had taken 100 punches in my life, maybe I can react. By you saying prepare, that's me just standing there ready to accept a punch. So you punched me right in the face. And I remember the bouncers came... Uh, the blood was everywhere because I think you got me right on the skull. The, eye, the eyebrow. Right, the eyebrow. The orbital is, it cuts very easily. Yeah, so it just blood everywhere and it's pouring down. I think I get to the washroom and the bouncers start going, who was it? We're going to get him. Is that the time and, you, you came I, home and you told mom and dad that you walked into a bathroom door or something? No, no, that was a different, uh, <laughs> that was a different punch. Different uh, blood. That was a different punch, yeah. But uh, yeah, for not a fighter, I've taken a few punches. But uh, um but uh, I told them, I told the bouncers, look, don't even mess with this guy. Because I just had visions that they would approach him and Corelli would just start throwing, hip tossing everybody all over the place. So I'm like, don't worry, he's my friend. And they, they were confused. They were like, so we were 20. We were 20. Is that how old we were? Uh, you were 20. You're, yeah, well, you're tw- born 73. And then me and Mark, you know who took me to the hospital? Marco. Hospital? I had to get stitches. You don't know this? <laughs> <laughs> I had to get stitches. I remember being punch. shocked, like, damn, that cut more than that. I didn't expect that. That's great. So what there were 20. So four, 25 years later, he knows that he gave me stitches. Dude, you're my claim to fame. I tell anyone who's interested in WWE, and if they know you, I'm like, Santino Marella. I go, do you know I have stitches from Santino <laughs> in my eyebrow? That's testosterone but, and alcohol combined. It's just a wonderful God. combination. And you know what? We yeah. couldn't even get out of the parking lot. We were in our dad's truck. And Marco, I think, drove our dad's uh, truck over the curbs. I remember we were pa- jumping all over the place. We get to the hospital. I got, it was like three stitches. It wasn't. But uh, the blood wouldn't stop. Kept, kept alcohol, pouring. that's alcohol. It yeah. kept pouring out. Anyway, I didn't know you gave me the prepare warning. So now I'll know. <laughs> Next time you look at me and say prepare, I'll know that there's a punch coming. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you were in Japan. You did that stuff in Japan for oh, like a year. Yeah, so Japan is an interesting thing where, because um, I had to, I had a tourist visa. Three months, you have to leave, you know, and every three months, basically, you got to leave the country's soil and come back in and get a new tourist visa. So I was trying to get a work visa because I, I was doing some commercials and acting and stuff. I think I remember. I did a Fujifilm commercial. It was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, in, in, in attempting to do so, I ended up overstaying one of my tourist visas by like a week, which is like a major violation. And I'm now going to be banned yeah. for five years. Yeah, that's an immigration. Japan. That is a big violation. So someone in, at the immigration office actually gave me the inside scoop and said... Um, Wait until December 1st. Like, just stay in the country. Keep a low profile. Don't get in trouble. Till the December 1st. And the law is changing for the first time in like however many years. Now you're only going to be banned for one year as opposed to five years. Okay. So, so and I had a life. I had an apartment. I had a scooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, a train. I, I work. I mean, So what did you do? You left and then what? You couldn't come back? No. Well, I left and I had to come home and reformulate my game plan. So it took me a few months of... Uh, you know, doing that, and then I went emotionally. To, how was that? Did you feel like you know shit? It was you horrible. Like, it was like a yeah, funeral. Yeah. Because yeah. I came back with and the mission Nothing. wasn't accomplished, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And and it was just careless carelessness, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it ended up you've, being a blessing. Just observing in your life, you've always been someone to me who has made weird, careless kind of moves like that. That always you seem to recover from. Does that make sense? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 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 Just from watching you, <laughs> like I could totally see you doing that. Okay, so you. Then you, where do you go after that? It makes it more fun and challenging. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, th- then I, I, I look up and a buddy tells me about OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling. And that's in Louisville, Kentucky. And this place is not only a school, 
it's also the developmental territory for uh, WWE, up and coming developmental it, okay. superstars. And so I Google it and I read it, and that's where like John Cena came from, and Batista, and Brock Lesnar, and Randy Orton. They all came through this developmental territory. So um, yeah, packed up the car again. You just drove there cold? Printed out a MapQuest and um, drove down, yeah. So. MapQuest. I'm listening I to this just thinking Map about Quest. OAC yeah, and MapQuest. Map yeah. Just yeah. those two things alone. Map like, yeah. So the, But the, the, the beauty of it is here when uh, the owner of OVW is Danny Davis. Not, not, not Dangerous Danny Davis, the referee, a different Danny Davis. However, he was roommates at one point in Calgary with Don Koloff. Oh my gosh. So, oh, so, so it's all he goes, tell him Don Koloff says, hi, blah, blah, blah. I drive down. And, but, uh, so to Tom's point, you drove you drove down cold. You, there was no con- you cold. Just, oh, wow. Well, I was gonna go to the school. Okay. So like they're not gonna turn away a, a customer. But again, I had no no advanced status. I went in the beginners class with guys that are like you know pathetic. Yeah, th- these are people. Who, th- so now this this school is training you to go into a WWE type organization. Yeah. Well, this school is it has three levels: beginners, intermediate, and advanced. And the advanced class. Um, the majority of the class is contracted talent okay. that is developing. Got it. But there were a few okay. guys in there that were just in the advanced class. Okay, so you went to beginner. Yeah, so I went to beginners for a month, intermediate for eight months. Where were you living? Like, how I had you, an apartment. You just found a random apartment? $351 for a little bachelor or a studio in uh, Bardstown Forest. Like, really... And you had the money to be able to pay... Like, I know it doesn't sound expensive now, but still, it's... No, I... I, I I had savings in my bank, yeah. and uh, I got a little bit of funding. It was a couple hundred bucks a week, or was it a week? Yeah, but it helped out a lot from uh, the Métis Nation of Ontario, because my mom's Métis, well, I'm Métis. Got it. And um, I even got sponsored by Muscle Tech one time to do a transformation, which was totally helping with my food costs and stuff. And we had to, and I could not work in the U.S., so the savings was there, everything was in place. It was a race against time. I had to train and train and train. So I lifted weights every single day, and I watched tape every day, and I trained with Rip Rogers. That's where I met my my main kind of coach, and just watched my savings dwindle. And I and I had some opportunities to wrestle in front of uh, WWE producers, and the feedback was awesome. I'm like I'm, I'm five foot ten. That's short yeah. for what they were looking for at the time. I was thirty. Yeah, so you didn't One, fit the mold at all. 31, 32, and still green at 32. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's guys that at the age of 32 have 15 years experience. They yeah. start wrestling at 17. Mm-hmm. And I'm green still. But luckily, Rip Rogers helped fast track me. And um, he liked you because of your work ethic or he's just, your personality? You've always just had a big personality. Well, he was a, um, he's a coach. And, and I mean, he's a, he's a coach's coach. He, he refines his coaching techniques. He is... What would he call it? So he appreciated your skill level. um, Yeah, he appreciated my athleticism, my attitude. I was the first guy there. I was the hardest working guy. Uh, That's... That was my objective. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to be away from my family. So did you get to the That's end? how you get noticed in, play, in places like so, that. That's, that's how you get noticed. Yeah, I, anywhere. I said, if I don't burn out at some point, I'm not pushing myself enough. And mm-hmm. I, I did. I got sick. I burnt out. Took a week off. And it's okay. That's my limit. Three, now three, you know. Three times a day yeah. training is, is going to catch up to me, right? Three times a day. Okay. So then you take some stuff. And then at what point? So where does this go? At what point? Why do I feel like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat? was like your manager I and mean, is that way is that my, am I no, but he, he was there one time when he was one of the producers i wrestled in front of okay he gave me a really good because now here's where it all comes into play this is funny 
So doing judo for those people who don't listening. Growing up at my so like what I'm 45 now. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was like royalty in the WWF. Oh yeah, I saw him. Do you remember him? What was his move? I forget. The G. Oh, Off no. the top rope. Well, it was. I was yeah. going to say Superfly yeah, Snooker. Yeah, that no, was Superfly like a, was, was even same. another generation. He was awesome. He was older yeah, yeah. than Ricky. Yeah. yeah, he was like Andre the Giant kind of time. Iron, yeah. Iron Sheik. So, so judo gave me... Uh, well, judo allowed me to have success in amateur wrestling. I just adapted my judo to wrestling. And, um, you know, was able to... So you me. showed well, basically, showed in front well. of these guys. So how did... How and did, then uh, judo gave me advanced status in Japan. Uh, because they really respect judo and, and it's, it's held in high regard. And then because I was in Japan, I kind of got this little leapfrog effect in OVW. Like, oh, yeah, that guy just came, came from, from Japan. Japan. He came from Japan. Yeah, yeah, got he it. wrestled in Japan. You know, they didn't know it was like less than 10 matches, but I was yeah, in yeah. Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And then I'm in the intermediate class and then this opera. So because when the producers come, everyone's doing the same shit. Everyone does the same Lock up, headlock, shoot him off, tackle, and all this stuff. Same thing. It's it's very formulaic. And here comes this one guy, who's doing something different. I'm doing double legs. And I'm doing judo throws, and I'm I'm applying the same philosophies and, and psychology, but I'm doing different moves, because I was in Japan, and that made me stand out, and that got me hired. They're like telling you everyone he's from Japan. Meanwhile, he's from Mississauga, Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> I wrestled in Japan. Yeah. Um, so everything kind of played its essential part in terms of yeah. boosting me along, you know, giving me. So how did you little... get? Because I feel like when you got pulled in, I feel like it was in Rome or Italy. It was in Italy. So yeah. How, did you? So go for, yeah. I got the contract in two, in two thousand and six. It was the summertime. I got the phone call saying, "Hey, who calls you? Somebody from the WWE talent relations. This guy was okay. it was Mike Bucci at the time. He used to wrestle uh, as Nova, and he was in an ECW. And okay. he, he called me and said, "Hey." Um, I have a question for you. Would you like to wrestle for the WWE? And I just pronounced the perfect yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. You must have freaked out. Like I mean, like after all that work and all those years, it must it was have been an amazing day. Yeah, like it really must have. You must have been on cloud nine walking around that day. It was, I, you know, you call your parents and you you cry and everything, and you did it. And and it's it's not so much that you accomplish your dream. I avoided disaster, mm. and I would have been because I had. I remember I went down there at like thirty grand in the bank and it it, it, it it had to last me two years and I ran out and this is the story that people tell even in the WWE I ran out of my last penny the day before I got signed so I'm panicking wow. I'm watching my, my bank account go down I remember when it went below uh, 10,000 that's another digit gone and then there's four digits and then it was below a thousand I had to cash in one RSP and I think I even borrowed like 400 bucks from my mom. I had to call and they're like, my mom, God bless her. She's like, oh, you know, is this, uh, this going to work? Uh, we can't keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, they tell me it's coming. They tell me it's coming. We got to hold tight. And then I was able to call back and say, we did it. So wow. going back a home, like it was like a hero's welcome. Like I did awesome, it. Man. So I had to go back home and wait for my visa. And okay. that, that's when Rado got married and stuff like that. Um, so oh my God! I got to tell. This is I heard. Thing. I heard that speech no, of that speech. wedding was. You was never. Epic. You've yeah. never seen a guy. How many people were at Rado's wedding? Eight hundred. I feel like it was eight thousand. But yeah, okay, eight hundred. He gets into this tent at this Croatian park up uh, up here in Mississauga. No, is that Georgetown, Norval. And uh, there's there's eight hundred Croatians in there. He has everyone. At one point, correct me if I'm. 
you can't even you're not even Croatian I felt like you were speaking Croatian at yeah. some point yeah. because they were next door neighbors for those of you who don't know Marco is Croatian um, good friend of all of ours and uh, you, you uh, I want to talk about his dad in a second but uh, in the speech you had everybody laughing and at one point I feel like you were doing the Hulk Hogan moves you know when you were like doing that ear no 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 you were, no oh <laughs> No, so, the way Anthony looked at me definitely was not. Do- no. See, I'm not the only yeah. one. Ever ta- I sometimes I mean, really? Tom tells stories. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't well, remember that. The part. way I remember yeah. the stories, but so I just remember apparently there was two Croatian sides. people are notorious for not paying attention to speeches. <laughs> so everyone was like, ah, oh, yeah, just yeah. you know, they talk. Yeah, they just and, keep eating and drinking and yeah, they ignore yeah. it, and it's loud with that many people ignoring. So, uh, ha- half the room. Well, no, they're both from Croatian backgrounds, but half was like older Croatians. Yeah, and then half was like the younger crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So both were listening, and I remember realizing oh shit i gotta do this 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 promo this oh but this is the thing so i just came from two years of wrestling school so i'm learning how to cut promos and how to conduct an audience or uh you so know, all of everything fell into everything place everything comes back yeah, 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 yeah. so now i get up there and i, I kind of so i said i'm not just telling, saying a speech where I'm this gonna, was the best wedding speech I, I had ever heard but you, the reason is because i told a story and the story was we went to croatia club <laughs> and, the boun- and the bouncers and the bouncers kicked me out or wouldn't let me go in and out I have in and out privileges because I wasn't Croatian so that so I told Marco's father oh, Ivan about the fact that I wouldn't you know I didn't have these in and out privileges because I couldn't speak Croatian he said I'm going to teach you Croatian. So he goes, you come to Ivan's school of Croatian. So every day in the backyard. <laughs> no one saw that, but Anthony just started pounding his chest when he said that. So in this in this school, we would have prosciutto and we'd drink Because you were in Marco's backyard now. Marco's backyard. And then, you know, when I was ready, I graduated. I went back to Croatia club and the bouncer was going to say, hey, you, you can't go in and out. And that's where I said, Yasam Hurvat. Oh I'm my Cro- God, that means, yeah, I'm Croatian. I'm Croatian. And I looked at the guy and I said, Yes, uh, Liti Hurvat, are you Croatian? And, I, and he says, Yeah, are you Croatian? I go, Nako Stachubit. Like, what else? Oh my God. Oh my God. So, if you say perfect. it. Perfect, that's perfect. But yeah. the, the way you're saying yeah. it, too, perfect. Is, yeah. If you yeah. say it with enough confidence, the conversation said, I'm Croatian. Are you Croatian? What else would it be? Of course I'm Croatian. And the guy was like, Oh, okay, okay, go ahead. Go, yeah, go ahead. So I threw in some swears and, you know, Sana Magan, Pazi Auto Chete Pogazit, and all these different. I mean, oh my God. It was all this stuff. So, that, so the audience you, was shooting Do you know that Marco's father fought my father in High Park? <laughs> do you know this? Something, yeah. They fought each other in High Park. Like fist fight. A fist fight. And the story what is. What year? I don't know. This has got to be, I guess, the this is well, the he's almost late 60s, now, so early yeah. 70s. They fought each other in High Park in Toronto. And the story is that my dad lost $100 or something, or $50 or $100 fell out of his pocket. And, uh, during the fight and because my father was one of the Marco's going to be listening to this and, and correct me but uh, he uh, he lost the fight because he lost money in the, in the, in the park so te- technically he lost the fight and Marco's dad has always won the fight because uh, our father lost money on the fight anyway I can tell you other stories about these animals but uh, good 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 parents they're good parents our dad's still both are still alive great guys I'd, I'd like to believe if there was a video of that fight it would have been viral oh my god yeah. Who knows? Can you imagine? J- just to clarify, they were friends, so we don't actually know why. Why they were? Who knows? The, they homemade, might, yeah. the homemade wine. What do you think but, they were sitting in High Park doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wine. But um, <laughs> and, anyway, back to the to, to the wedding speech. 
uh, you knocked it out of the park. So that was because you understood storytelling and how to cut a yeah. promo. So you understood how to capture people's attention. So yeah. the timing was perfect. So it's kind of cheating. Everyone was like, that was the greatest wedding speech. Oh, well, it's kind of what I do. you know. Yeah, but you know, you, everything does happen for a reason. Because when I was at Oracle, I had bought some real estate tapes for 5000 bucks that we laugh about now. None of the real estate information was good in it. But there was a, a cassettes about how to give public speaking. Do you know how and, Tom used to, sorry, go, I'll let you finish. And then Oracle said, hey, you got to go speak in front of 300 salespeople next week. And I just happened to be listening to all these tapes for a week. So when I went to go speak, I knew how to incorporate some stories. I also knew how to call people's names out in the crowd to kind of incorporate people into the uh, into the story as well. And it went off and it gave me the confidence to go on and go do other talks in front so, of people. So yeah, you're, you're right, right? And so five grand for some tapes. But do you know how, how he listened to these tapes? With a little ghetto blaster. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't have a tape player. Uh, in his car. He would put it in the ghetto plaster with batteries and oh then press God. play. I, I spent. I didn't want to admit to anyone I'd spent five thousand dollars on real estate tapes, yeah, and my my Honda Civic didn't have a cassette tape. It only had a CD player. So I went to Zeller's and I got a ghetto a ghetto blaster. I just bought a cassette tape online, actually. A uh, cassette player. Why? Because I have I have these tapes. I want to listen. It's just you, what, you have mixed mix tapes from high school? The one yeah, your DJ friends? I, I remember that. Here's my mixtape. Don't lose it. Give me my mixtape. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Don't lose it. This is my it. favorite mixtape. Well, I went to, I was in LA and my buddy, he's a, a musician. And on his coffee table, he has an old, the kind we had in school. Those recorders. You can yeah, yeah, yeah. Tape recorder. Yeah. And he just had about six tapes on display. And I thought it was so cool. It, it was functional. It's retro. Conversation piece. So I've always wanted one. Actually, uh, a cassette tape also changed my life. So when I used to work for New Ad, one of those jobs I yeah, had yeah. for a year, I drove every day for one year, rush hour traffic, downtown, uh, Sherborne and Adelaide, and my car had a cassette player. And I bought this, uh, I always wanted to learn Italian more than I, I, I did, you know. That worked out too. So I used to, I, I bought a cassette tape, and I would listen to it over and over and over and help rush every day in rush hour. And I memorized, I couldn't speak Italian, but I could I could say what was on the tape and I knew when to use it. And I memorized the tape. And when I was, when I, when I got hired, I was a Russian character. Uh, Rip Rod, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Rip Rogers yeah, yeah, gave yeah, me the yeah, nickname yeah, you Boris. You were Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my coach was Don Koloff. So I thought, I'll be, I'll be Boris Russian. Koloff. Yeah. And I'll give a tribute to my coach and I'll use the nickname that this coach gave me. And I think that there's been Boris Zukov and Ivan Koloff, but I think there wasn't a combination of Boris Koloff. So I was Boris and Boris. Um, so for the two years and two weeks I lived in Louisville, I was a guy named Boris. I was given the, the, the nickname Boris within a month and the day I left, I was Santino. So literally in this city of louisville i was a guy named boris, boris. for two years so so how does that go so how, yeah can you explain the oh, yeah. part? because so, i just watched the video again on youtube yeah so the i they offered me the contract i come home i get my work visa i now go back to, to louisville to continue developing until an opportunity comes and i'm drafted to the main roster um so one day i'm there i get a phone call from mike bucci again and he's like hey boris uh your background's really italian right and i'm like yep and um, he goes, can you speak Italian? And I was always, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, told me if they ever ask you if you could do anything, you say yes. And then you better fucking learn how to do it before it comes yeah, time yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it. So uh, um, can you speak Italian? And I said, yes, absolutely. And they go, okay, uh, we're sitting here with some writers. Uh, can you say some stuff in Italian? And I was like, uh, vorrei mezzo chilo di formaggio. <laughs> which, which means I want a half kilo of cheese. <laughs> that was on the tape. And also, um, 
And he goes, okay, uh, anything else? I go, mi chiamo Antonio Carelli, which means my name is Anthony Carelli. And I, I could just see them sitting around this speaker at this boardroom going, I don't know, that kind of sounds Italian to me. It <laughs> and they go, okay. And they go, okay, great. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll call you back. And, and literally the next day, like the next day, I was on a plane to Milan. Yes. And then I debuted two days later as Santino. Yeah, and they needed you because what were they doing in, in that show? Who's the big fighter again that you went into the oh, ring with? Umaga, Umaga. Umaga. So for, just to set the stage here, two days later you fly to Rome. First of all, Milan. How, how Milan, sorry. How many lessons are in the fact that he was teaching himself in Italian and how all oh, this yeah. stuff comes to play in your life? Like hearing that from you, there's so many stories like that. But um, you, uh, you go to Italy, then uh, they put you in the crowd. And then Vince McMahon's in the, the ring. Had you met Vince McMahon yet? That day. Earlier that day. Yeah. And he told you, I'm just going to pick you out of the crowd. Well, The writers already said it all. Yeah, there's producers and the, so they the show's you. ready. So you met Vince. How was that experience when you met Vince McMahon? Oh, it was, it, was, it was awesome. He was very welcoming. And like, I'm sitting down, like, I have a smirk on my face. I'm sure, like, I'm about to talk to Vince McMahon. And he was just cool, man. So cool. People don't understand how nice this guy. I love Vince McMahon. He's like my... Idol man, I think he's one of the best promoters in the maybe just, the world's ever seen. Just think how many arenas. Just as a human being, oh, God. Though, yeah, as a human. Okay, so we ethic, don't know that side work of Work ethics. First guy there. Literally, he'll be, he'll be at the office at say seven a.m. He'll work straight till like eleven p.m. His personal trainer comes and he goes nuts in the gym for like an hour and goes home, sleeps like four hours, and does it again. And he's just a machine. And he's Crazy. he's an absolute machine. I just from afar, so we don't know him at that level from afar to. Um, pr to fill that many arenas for that many years, like, but you just think he's got to book WWE's got to book these arenas well in advance and commit to the marketing to fill those arenas, yep. and those are paid seats. Like that is just the, his promotional skills are maybe some of the best the world's ever seen, ever because yeah. because there's no off season. There's to no off season to keep it fresh constantly. And you know the expression "less is more," right? And it's going to be special when there's less of it. He. It's, it's, it's from a business point of view, it is jaw dropping to watch. But and so wait, I just want to go to the moment. So they tell when did the you get told okay you're going to come into the ring? Did they tell you you're going to win the belt? Earlier in the day, what uh, did you think when you said you heard you're going to win the well, belt? That was Ar your first match. Yeah, Arn Anderson was uh, as I walked in like the the building. They were just coming out of the production meeting, and he goes, "Hey, hey, kid," because he he knew me from OVW, and he goes, "You're having a pretty good day today. You winning the IC strap?" And I'm like, "IC as an intercontinental? Like what the hell did he just say?" And then I sat down and they wanted to, uh, Vince is big on doing things that, that have never been done. So uh, uh, someone coming out of the audience and winning the title on his debut had never been done. It was his idea, which is like, when you're doing something that's Vince's idea, it's going to get the, the support and nourishment It'll get it needs done. because it's his idea. So he wants his ideas to be successful. And um, yeah, put me in the audience. This It's funny. So they put me in the seat like, it was the first segment on Raw, so they sat me in this reserved seat, and and you know, the, I mean, it was very scary because when when Vince's music hit, everybody rushed the guardrail, so I'm like five people deep. I'm like, oh my god, he's not even gonna see me. I gotta have to fight my way to the front for him to see me. I'm gonna see if people. How's he gonna spot me? Um, and you were just in playing. I remember you had like a dress shirt on and jeans. Yep, I kept that dress shirt in case we do the movie. You know, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. The life of the life of. Uh, I actually wrote a movie, and the movie ends in in like at the moment where I debut. Like that's the yeah. end, and they can use the footage from the real event to end the movie. But um, yeah, and then so everyone kind of settled down, and then when I heard the challenge, I, I rushed to the front. He was able to see me, and and um, you know, 
history was made. At yeah, that I remember you ran into the ring, and then I think it was that Bobby Lashley. Lashley yeah. He ran in. There was all this commotion, and then you jump on top of Umaga. Is that his name? I forget. Yeah, so I was kind of knocked out. So he, but it, it was a no disqualification match, and they were cheating. So somebody come in, came in and helped. I me. just remember back home here. The fury of like Corelli is the intercontinental oh, yeah. champion in the, the WWE. I think I found out somewhere, I guess probably through you or Rad or someone like, you know, that yeah, you were going to be on. Like and it was you know, like, like everyone was tuning in that, you know, that was like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where some reason uh, everybody watched that night, e- even people that didn't get the, you know, like uh, we call it the Iggy, uh, like advance notice, you know, um, but for some reason. And, and that's actually became for many, many years one of my favorite things when I would run into somebody from high school or the area and they gave me of where uh, I was, where I was at that that's moment. That's so cool. And I love it. I used to love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my wife calls me and says, hey, Joe, do you went to school this guy, no? Yeah, yeah. He comes down and goes, holy shit, it's Corelli. <laughs> and I, I would get that a lot. And yeah, it was yeah, actually yeah. my favorite thing to hear it. Yeah, but yeah. Marco Rado, Marco Rado is his name, and he, he went online and he saw... Uh, it's it's in Italy, so it's six hours ahead. And he saw this thing, the um, um, new intercontinental champion Santino. And he's like, I wonder if that's Corelli. He couldn't believe if it. If that's his name. Yeah, yeah. And then when he, but he didn't tell anybody. So he invited everyone over to the house. And uh, when Vince said, Hey, hold on, uh, what's your name? And I said Santino. He goes, No way, it is him. Because I said, Watch Raw. I might debut. Shit changes last minute. Sure. Yeah. 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 And. Um, you I'm know, sure there's injuries, storylines are changing. Yeah, the writers. and sometimes the, the writers present a show and Vince just says, it's garbage, no let's good. change everything. So, um, yeah, it happened. I was trying you, to live in the moment, but it was... Uh, did you call your parents? They watched, yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they, they were watching. Did yeah. they get the Iggy? Is that what you call yeah, it? They got, they got the Iggy. They got the Iggy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was very surreal. Somebody from... Pocock, yeah. Mississauga, to be at this. But you know what? Watching stage. you, just the, uh, the the personality that you have and the work ethic that you just talk about. I mean, it it was like obviously a big surprise, but it's kind of like I from yeah, the you outside, earned it. It was you earned it, and I and I think we all knew something like that was going to happen for you. Just. To, but based on who no, you are. When I saw you at the gym, though, I got to admit, like a few times, I'm like, man, this guy's like, I, I, I just couldn't imagine trying to break that. So whenever you said, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm going to be a wrestler. Because I would see you at the gym regularly. And um, and, and just in the back of my head, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I was like, man, that's so tough. Like, I just, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. Like, I, like I was doubting it because I just knew like the percentage of people that make it to that yeah. thing, you know. It's a logical but, bet to doubt it. I, but you were so, but when you, you said it so consistently and so you were so firm in your belief of it you know I, I i did recognize that as well there was no like you know i'd kind of really like to do this i think i'm gonna try it was like no no this is this is what's gonna well, happen. i mean to print off the map quest maps and just drive to the school after you've basically been kicked out of japan it's funny yeah, yeah. that's the commitment. i was dating uh, this uh, i went on a few dates with this girl in kentucky and uh i said you know what i'd like to take it to the next level and be, be my actual girlfriend and i remember uh, she's like she goes, I got to be honest, you, you, you don't have a job. And I'm like, what? I'm going to be a wrestler. Like, <laughs> and she's like, yeah. She was a wrestler too. Yeah, she didn't believe you. And she's kind of like, you know, it's pretty hard to be a wrestler. I go, what? Are, are you crazy? Of course I'm a wrestler. I didn't move down here not to be a wrestler. So I tell people that um, imagine you're a tightrope walker and you are so focused. Obviously, you have to be very focused, balanced, and looking at the wire in front of you. And, and when you make it across... You look back and you go, and you look down and you go, holy crap! If I fell, I would have died. 
And it was kind of like that. I was so focused. There was just no other reality that I was going to no allow to yeah. exist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then when I looked, it to happen. And then when I look back, spending all that money, I'm like, God, that would have been a horrible disaster. I would have been 32 years old, going back Broke. to my parents' basement, yeah. having to look at my daughter and say, whatever. But I was able to go back and, and say, we did it. Man, yeah. you know what? Just oh, yeah. that, what you just said about being able to look at your daughter as well so with it, cool. that's pretty cool too. That was that's the number really one cool, yeah. motivating factor to be successful. Otherwise, who cares? I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. I live in a hut in Tahiti. So then you know. had, uh, so how many years I, I, and you, you're going to take off? Yeah, I yeah Nick's going to take off. We're going we're gonna, to, uh, 10 more minutes and I'm going to let Anthony escape yeah. too. We'll talk He's, shit about when he leaves. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so remember that time Nick said that. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, how many years were you in the WWE then? 10 years. Do you, did you, I mean, you must have just learned a lot about promotion, storytelling, the whole behind the scenes. You learned about everything. You, you actually come away from the WWE being so overprepared. Okay, for example, when I did that, I did a movie with Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, it was a 20th Century Fox film. And I think I forget. I totally forget. I, I have jingle some, jingle all the way too. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, yeah, I remember. I can't, I can't envision your scenes. Now I'm gonna have to go dig it up. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a good movie. It's a real movie. Um, but you are so overprepared. Here they, they give you the script, well in advance, and uh, they give you daily sides, and they take care of your clothes and your makeup and your hair, and and you have all this time. And I'm like, this is easy. This is awesome compared to wrestling. Wrestling, you show up. They're yeah, in the meeting. The Sometimes fly. they got to redo it. Here's your here are your lines. We go live in an hour and a half, and you're like, oh my god, I got to memorize this. What the hell? And uh, you learn to have that balance between improv and 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 st- st- staying yeah, yeah, script. Kind of, you know, yeah. So you can divert a little bit, but you get back to the to where you need to be. Yeah. So t- uh, ten years, you said. Yeah, oh six to sixteen. To sixteen, uh, I think you were a big. Did did they read? Do you think they thought they would keep you around as long as they did? Well, it's funny because the story is that the character originally didn't kind of click the way they thought it was as a as, as a regular fiery baby face good guy, um, and then they said, "Okay, let's let's try and make him uh, a bad guy." Because and then you and made it, a- and if they don't take to that, then. He's Re- gone. Repackage. Okay. Whose idea was it to come up with the the Santino Marella? The Cobra. Yeah, the Cobra. The that Cobra was a was big hit. I, I, I know for my kid. Oh, was it? So for those of you don't you don't listen, you had like a signature move. Yeah. Where you would pull a like this Cobra sock. It's basically a sock yeah. over your arm, but I'll paint it on it was a Cobra's face. <laughs> yeah. And then you would point the Cobra and like jab at someone's neck. Pets in such <laughs> in such a powerful manner. Yeah. Because you you had mastered this, yes. That you would just devastate your opponent. Yeah, and there, then there's a pressure point in the neck that incapacitates you for three seconds exactly, and that just gave you enough time to pin them. To pin them, yeah, yeah, it was perfect. So the, there was a guy in Japan who showed me he couldn't speak English very well, and he wanted to show me this funny thing that he transformed his arm into this little puppet, and it looked like a little wood puppet, you know, like this <laughs> okay. and everything. And I didn't even really get it. It wasn't even that funny. <laughs> okay. But I swear, it's like he planted a seed. Because like five years later, I'm at a house show, uh, a live event. It's non-televised. And I said, that's where you try stuff and experiment. And I'm like, I'm going to try something here. Keep an eye on this. Tell me what you think. Immediately when I did it, the audience responded uh, the way I wanted them to. They were laughing. And, and, you know, so I came back and uh, John Cena was like, you got something. Keep that. 
Yeah. So I started doing it on the live. Did events. you understand that it's like the power of a story? You were incorporating more storytelling into your motions. No. Once, once I, once I really started getting wrestling, it was all storytelling. Everything was set. The I, I would spend, let's say, at a fifteen-minute match, I would spend thirteen minutes setting up the dominoes, and then two minutes knocking them all down at the end, and it was. A great it got, feeling. It got to the point where there was no wasted steps. Everything had a purpose and a reason. And I'd like to believe I mastered my craft near the end. Yeah, very uh, cool. Last couple of years. T- it takes takes about a thousand matches really to 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 really get it. You Feel know? comfortable in there. Yeah. Um so ten years and then afterwards, when did you start Battle Arts here in Mississauga? How was that transition? Well, I knew the clock was ticking and my neck wasn't gonna last okay. forever. Cause I, I had How's ba- your neck now? It's okay. I mean, I had a double cervical fusion, so it's comfortable. It's not as flexible, and I'm not in pain, but it's not it'll never be the same. I can't do neck bridges or anything. Um, and what happens is when when you fuse essentially three vertebrae into one, the the disc above and below the fusion has to do more, so it, it could expedite that yeah, that it. wearing okay. down as well. And that's all just from getting smashed around in the ring for ten years. Judo, yeah, yeah, judo thousands too. of neck bridges, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. and wrestling yeah. neck bridges yeah. and football and head collisions and all that stuff. So it, it, it took a toll. Plus, I think my dad has a bit of degenerative disc disease. I think it's genetic as okay. well. So both factors, nature and nurture, were against me. Um, but I knew it was the clock was ticking. I'm also older i was one of the older guys i was like it's old- funny how you started older but your career got kind of sped up that you became the champ on your first match yeah that's to me fascinating it, it, it's funny because okay training oh three first match oh four uh, sorry sorry training oh two first match oh three all of oh four in japan oh five go to louisville Meet Rip Rogers. 06 get signed, debut 07. So there was re- wow. very little wasted time. Nobody could have predicted that. Yeah, that it's was impossible. It was impossible. It had to happen. The okay, way so it, you it had to happen the way it did. So you come back and, and just a battle art story. I want to know how you transitioned into yeah, business. Yeah, so, um, oh, so I was actually having uh, lunch in Japan with Mr. Ishikawa, who's like a master submission uh, encyclopedia, basically a walking encyclopedia of grappling and submissions. He's amazing. So anyway, his school closed down in Japan. And I was like, if I ever opened up a school, he's like, I'm there. Because he was the guy who was running Battle Arts in Japan. Yeah, he, he's the founder of the yeah, original yeah, Battle yeah, Arts. Okay. So knowing that he would come to Canada, I'm like, because if you open a business, you have to deliver. You mm-hmm. have to have value. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is a top-notch so education. So you could have somebody, yeah, you could have someone with high skill coming into your gym right away. Yeah, and teach while I'm on the road still. So I wanted to get this up and running while I was on the road because I knew one day it's going to come to an end and I want to have something up what and What year did you open up Battle Arts? 2013. Right next to our old high school. Yeah. I didn't, I never went, I'm a year older than you. I never went to that building. Did you go to that building? Yeah, one year. Okay, they shifted. We were at Vincent Massey in Etobicoke. And then I left, yes. and you guys graduated to the new building. So, so Battle Arts we were is, supposed to be close to here, like 403. I remember. 403 I remember because I was saying then I would bring my son. Yeah. But now you're over there. So what happened, so a company, um, a big company came in, bought the portfolio of properties, and they said, let me see what's on the table. And I, I had submitted, um, for, I, I had applied for building permits. I paid architects. Like I mean, I invested money, and all of a sudden, the real estate guy says, uh, they don't want a gym in there. So like, sorry. I'm like, huh. I'm like losing what? my mind. Yeah. That was at 403 in Dundas. 403 that area. In, okay. 403 in Burnham Thorpe. 
Burn himself right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. So I'm like, what are you talking about? I just spent eleven thousand dollars on drawings and everything and permits. Um, and he's like, yeah, sorry, they don't they don't want a gym. So I'm beside myself. I'm scrambling. I'm like, I am losing money already. I haven't even opened a business yet. And a friend of mine, Damian Sandow, was another wrestler. He had a psychic friend who's a, a lady in Louisville, and she was a psychic. And I just, I was, I was literally beside myself. And I'm like, can I talk to her? And he's like, yep. So I get on the phone one time. And it's on the phone. And I'm like, look, this happens. She goes, don't say anything. Just ask me your question. And, I go, <laughs> and I'm like, is what just happened to me for some unforeseen best that, that I don't know that's, you know. And she's like, one of the strongest yeses I can get from the universe I just got. This is for an unforeseen uh, positive thing. It's going to come out of it. And she goes, when you find your new location, you are going to know in your heart that this is the right place. It's going to connect with you in your heart. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? It's, you know. And she said some stuff about real estate broker and you're going to find the one. And I'm like, the one? I'm not looking for a goddamn wife. I'm trying to open a business. <laughs> And um, when we got, so I, I changed uh, real estate agents because the one kid, the psychic said he had too many irons in the fire or he was, he allowed it to expire. I love how the fact the psychic is now guiding one of the most important decisions <laughs> in your life, but everything else has worked out. So keep going. Yeah. So this, um, I, I think the, the real estate guy I had at the time, he kind of knew that they didn't want this. So there was a, what do you call it? Like a, an agreement to, yeah, move, yeah. to move forward. Yeah, yeah. Buyer's agreement. You tore it up. He let it. He let the. He let it expire. Okay. And uh, and that's how it went. So anyway, I found this new real estate agent. This older guy, seventy-seven. He was. Uh, he found this building, that was unfinished. So it was just a shell of a building, dirt floors. I don't think it even had full windows, and it's twelve units. And when I saw the location, I'm like, because it has 12, 12 garage doors, and I'm like, that that's not going to work for us, you know. Yeah. And and he's like, well, they'll they can build it to your, to yeah, your yeah. needs. They can block up some of the doors with cement blocks. I'm like, if they can do that, this, this can work. And then I look around my, over my shoulder. I'm like, this is my, this is my neighborhood. Yeah. And this is like five minutes from where we all grew up. Yeah. My parents are, I live like f less than five yeah. minutes away. And I go, ah, I'm going to connect with it in my heart. This is my neighborhood. I was about to come to the border. I cannot of believe Oakville. the psychic helped you out through this. This is shocking. <laughs> well, this, I don't know if they helped me, but it, I mean, yeah, in yeah. retrospect, but I yeah, saw yeah, the connection. Yeah, it, right? it worked. And that was it, man. We opened it there. I and can't it, believe you. And now that, that so Battle Arts is at Eglinton and Tompkin Road in Mississauga, and you took twelve units. Uh, we took eight. Eight units for your first real estate commer commercial. Not we're not talking residential. Eight units to, yeah, to almost thirteen thousand square feet. We took, and uh, of course I had to get um, an immigration lawyer to get Mystery Chicago to Canada, and it was very very. Uh, yeah, and then for those of you, I don't know how to describe your gym, but you, you probably have one of the most beautiful setups I have ever seen. Just with yeah, the equipment that you have in there, you have a ring in there. Don't you teach? Because you do. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you're like doing judo classes, you do like fitness classes and kickboxing classes, but then you do like WWE style training as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've taken that. It was the battle arts model you saw in Japan that you just implemented here. Yeah. So I expanded on it as well. Um, I like the fact that the professional wrestlers in Japan view professional wrestling as a professional athlete. And they train like legitimate MMA fighters. 
So I wanted to do that as well and, and have that whole side because I know a lot of the guys that study professional wrestling here, they're not going to study kickboxing and jujitsu. And I, I want, I believe because of the growth of MMA and the, the, the viewers at home are becoming more savvy with regards to what real fighting looks like. So we're going to have to up our game as pro wrestlers to make people suspend their disbelief. And that's the ultimate objective for a pro wrestler is to make the audience temporarily suspend their disbelief. Just like when you're watching a scary movie, you know, it's a movie you're watching the goddamn movie, but when the guy's behind the door and the door slowly opens, you still crouch you're down with a pillow out, yeah. and you're like, hey, watch mm-hmm. out. So you, you suspend your disbelief and you get into it. But if you're watching that scary scene and a microphone falls into the picture, it's going to take you out of it. And that's what happens with these days, the pro wrestling. You could, you can work so hard to make people believe this is an actual competition. And then one silly thing, one mistake um, just takes you right out of it. So I wanted to make very, very realistic professional wrestling, even though my character was the least realistic character ever. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's the style I like and I believe. And, you know, just like a quarterback, man, you can't throw to the where, where the guy is. You got to throw to where he's going to be. And I wanted to train people to where I felt the business was going to be by the time they were ready. So I, I, I made the call and I said, this is I believe this is the direction wrestling is going in. <clears throat> And sure enough, it's it's happening right now. You know, uh, wrestling is becoming. Uh, look at Ronda Rousey's in WWE, and there's a lot of um, guys that go back and forth. But pro wrestling, yeah, Brock Lesnar, MMA, Brock right. Lesnar, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, my my students are, are definitely getting a, a an applicable education. Yeah, it's so cool, and uh, the gym just blows you away because I just never seen anything quite yeah, like so that. Yeah, so it's, I, ju- it's I jumped in there and jumped on like I guess they're not called monkey bars, but you had a big monkey bar set up. I immediately started climbing all over the thing. Yeah, you still have bars, that big yeah. setup in there. Yeah, the ri- and yeah. then we swung. You weren't there that day. I started swinging from rope to rope like Tarzan. It was amazing. That's or, no, maybe it was ring to ring. It ring was to rings. Ring, yeah. It was ring to ring. So in but Santa the- Monica, they have those rings. That, that's where I got that from. Yeah, on, the, yeah. on the beach yeah, I've seen them I've been on those rings yeah that's yeah, where yeah, I got yeah. that from yeah. yeah I climbed a rope in Santa Monica there's two ropes in Santa Monica yes. I climbed them rope by rope like this like one hand, oh, hand no in way. each rope and then I got to the top and realized I'm exhausted yeah. and I couldn't hold on I looked down and I, I didn't want to let go so I just started sliding down with the rope burn <laughs> uh, but uh but so then, um, just so if anyone is going to check out uh, Battle Arts, let's uh, like, what do you got? You have summer camps going on now for kids. What do you do? You have adults. Give us give us more information. Yeah, so it's two facilities in one. You have the Ontario Performance Center on one side where you can go and, you know, there's personal training. You could do boot camps. You can lose weight. So at six o'clock every day, it's family time. You have kids classes Monday to Friday. They're, they they range from wrestling to judo to to Thai boxing. And at so the, cool, man! That's at the great. same time as the kids classes, there's stuff for the parents to do, uh, cardio, kickboxing, boot camp, whatever it is. So the family can come at one shot. Everyone gets their fitness taken care of, and they can they can go home. Then later, the athletes come. Uh, Seven o'clock. We have our, our our competitive boxers, our Olympic wrestlers, our judo athletes, and then at eight o'clock we have the professional wrestlers and the guys that you know that want to do MMA and stuff like that. So as the night progresses, it gets a little more intense and a little more serious. I didn't know you were doing Olympic wrestling in there too. Oh yeah, our, our, that's one of our biggest programs. Are high schools too. still doing wrestling? Some high schools. Yeah. I feel like that's not something. I, I feel like not enough either. 
like not like I was a big kid in high school at all. I didn't start growing, I think, until like grade 11 almost. Um, but I feel like wrestling should be in all high schools. Like looking back, I'm like, damn, that's something I probably should have spent when, some time When you in. see an Olympic team, an Olympic wrestling team, every single guy is a different size. You have the yeah. 120 pounder, yeah, the yeah, 130, 140, 150, okay, 160, yeah, rate, yeah. rate to heavyweight. Yeah. So there's a spot for everybody. When it I just comes think the self-confidence that kids can get from going into wrestling at that age is so powerful. It's huge. And if it's in high school, it's then it's accessible. Yeah, they know? should start. So that's cool. I didn't know. I didn't know you were. I didn't know you were doing that. Someone uh, just told me that they were at a boxing competition at your place, and then also at a wrestling one where you pull the screens and close it all down, like make it dark. Is that? Do you have big curtains that come around the ring or something? Was it a birthday? Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, we do kids' birthdays and like we we, we do stags, birthdays where there's like a a group wrestling lesson, like a crash course in professional wrestling. And uh, the, the adults have more fun than the kids, actually. Got it. So you could probably do corporate event kind of things, it, too. Yeah, we, we do corporate events there, yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. And then, yeah, so we did, this summer, our, our camp is kind of compiling everything. We do gymnastics. We do wrestling. This is for the kids? The kids camp. Yeah, yeah, last summer it was awesome. But this year is the first time we're doing, we're mixing in professional wrestling in the camp. So at the end of the summer... These kids are going to have a chance to put on a show in front of the, for their parents and friends and family. So it's going to be interesting to see how they develop because we're going to develop characters, develop costumes. You know, there's arts and crafts. As crazy and, as this sounds, I've learned over the years that building a business is also about sharing your story. So the skills that you learn in wrestling are so applicable to building a business. Like the marketing of your business, I tell everyone it's about sharing your personal story. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're a storyteller. Like you, just the way you were in wrestling – and Battle Arts has its story, and Rockstar, we have our story. That is a very applicable thing in life if you can understand the rhythm to creating stories. So what you're teaching people is hugely valuable, whether they recognize it or not, in many other areas, not just like a summer camp in wrestling, which is cool. Oh, yeah. The, even the ability in professional wrestling to get up and cut a promo, that's yeah. going to help you in, yeah. anywhere. Speak in, in front of people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the website for Battle Arts is? BattleArtsAcademy.ca. BattleArtsAcademy.ca. Yeah, and, the the... The, con- the self-confidence thing, too. We had a, a, kid, a kid from Pocock. He was a, a co-op kid. And my wife was at uh, No Frills or whatever. And she saw a lady. And she had the Battle Arts hat on. And the lady's cool. like, oh, Battle Arts. Our, 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 one of our students goes there. The changes he's gone through. Everyone's talking about it. His confidence. And pretty quickly you realize it's, you know, originally I wanted to open the business. So I had a business. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like. Not the even impact that you're having. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's about Dude, everybody else. Listen, uh, I'm someone who never went to the gym at all until I was uh, 39 and, and Nick forced me to go. Um, and it's been a huge change in my life. And just the fact that there's a battle arts gym in Mississauga where you have all those different opportunities where parents can go while their kids are doing stuff. It gives you confidence in life well beyond fitness. Like I mm-hmm. found that the other areas of my life have improved as I've improved my overall fitness. My health overall has improved. My energy levels have improved. So I think what you're doing to the community there, and I know this might sound a little cheesy the way I'm saying it, but I don't care. Like I believe it. I, I think you're having a, an awesome impact and it's we're grateful. As someone who grew up five minutes away from Battle Arts and in Mississauga, man, it's just super grateful to, to see what you're doing. Oh, thanks, you know? man. I'm on a bit of a mission to uh, promote sport culture in Canada. I think with the growth of technology and artificial intelligence and all this stuff that makes us not human, we need to focus on things that music and drama and dance and sport, things that make us human, you know, cooking and t- all the everything that's artistic. I think the education system needs to be 
revamped. It hasn't changed in gosh hundreds, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, man. And and it's it's different. It's a different time. It's man. a shame. And Anthony, I know you have to get going because you have to get back to. You're going to battle. You haven't. You're going to battle arts. I'm teaching at six o'clock. Yeah, so we're gonna wrap this up. I just want to say, from watching your journey from afar, just know that you're inspiring other people, friends that you've had around that maybe you don't know you had an impact on. You've had a huge impact on. You've made us all believe in ourselves a little bit more watching your story. So oh, thank you for sharing what you're sharing and for doing what you're doing, man. Really appreciate it. So it's battleartsacademy.ca if you want to check out Anthony's gym. And uh, everybody gets a free week trial. Cool, cool. Forever. It's always, a, it's not a, it's. And that's on the website too, battlearchacademy.ca, the free week trial. Oh, no, you just come on in and try it out for free. Say, Corelli told me. My whole philosophy, I, I like, I treat, like, I never, there's zero high pressure sales things. And that's the whole thing. I'm like, here, try it out for a week. Either you're going to love it or it's not, you know, yeah. it's not for you, right? Awesome, man. Thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, it's Tom Kradza. So hopefully you enjoyed that podcast as much as we did. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, you know, that we really enjoyed. We both really enjoyed that chat and we cut out some laughs even after that podcast ended. So uh, those, uh, those are definitely fun episodes to put together. So again, if you want any real estate information, uh, rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. You'll find all about the about the membership that we run and all the different components to the membership from the one-on-one coaching to the newsletter, to the classes, to the monthly audios, to the private member site and the, um, that kind of thing. So rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. You can find everything out about becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member right there. Hopefully you're enjoying your summer. summer. We'll talk to you soon. Until next time, your life, your terms.